SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Wednesday, September 9th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, as always, coming live and direct, helping me give out information, helping me give out winners to hopefully make it a profitable day for you, and we put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And, Kev, we have been talking about this literally for months you and i were on the same page i remember way back in the day when we played out the nba playoffs on a show and you and i both in our projections had the miami heat over the milwaukee bucks our producers thought we were crazy everyone thought we were wild but what do you know Gentlemen sweep Kev and the Miami Heat do in fact take down the Bucks 103 to 94. There was no Giannis, and you gotta say, guys like Middleton, even guys like DiVincenzo and Brooke Lopez tried to, but after you know time, because they were good in the first quarter, but over time, too much intensity, too much defense, too much Miami. They move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, let's give Miami their credit. Uh, the idea that this team was a bad matchup for Milwaukee was accurate. And even, you know, they found more from their depth pieces than the Bucs. Yeah. Which was supposed to be the I need a hero. I mean, a game high plus 23, 14 points, eight boards. How six assists? Like, you know, a rookie with that level of uh, creation for others was absolutely tremendous Gordon Drogic was great throughout this series and Jimmy Butler ready to bring this game uh home just like he did most of the others in this series but I would be lying to myself to act as if the Miami Heat are the story for the Hmm. second year in a row the team with the best record in the NBA is the Milwaukee Bucks and for the second year in a row they aren't able to get to the NBA finals And now this time it was even worse because even if, because last year, right there, ah, the Raptors ended up winning the title. You had them 2-0. Even if the Heat win the title, it's round two. The excuses are gone, but yeah, listen, but no, this was unacceptable. And I believe that Giannis wants everything Mm -hmm. to work out. And I don't believe that, he right now thinks it's time to request a trade, mm. and that's all good and well. But drastic change is the only option for a team that has performed as well as the Milwaukee Bucks during the buildup to the postseason and then fallen short in the manner that which they have in the postseason. And whether that is the Giannis trade request or, to be fair, the more likely – Mike Budenholzer firing or potential roster shakeup, pushing all in for a third star or maybe even a second star that tries to bump Middleton down a notch and create a genuine big three. It will not be easy to find those answers, but they have an entire offseason to do so, albeit a shortened one 
because they simply cannot run this back. Yeah, I think you're right, Kev. You know, I mean, you mentioned it. This team, the number one offense in the league, the number one defense in the league, the best record in the league, the presumptive two-time MVP. You've been saying for a while, Kev, that this matchup was really, really bad. I've been saying for a while that I just think Milwaukee could be had because of the way that they play, and I didn't think it translated to the playoffs as much as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, including out there on the West Coast, waking up early with us on the mightier 1090, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, you know, you talk about the Miami Heat, right? You talk about a guy like Hero. I mean, I'm looking at Kendrick Nunn also, who only like six points, but you can see how – his that's a another dynamic playmaker that will be needed as we move on and they have another option but as it comes to the bucks kev you know you, you've been throwing shade at Budenholzer for a little while you mentioned the idea of Giannis, how his heart may be there like wanting to get the job done in milwaukee we laud kevin a guy like damian lillard who has spent his entire career in portland right wanting to finish the job in portland so I understand if Giannis wants to try to stay there, attract another max guy to form it there. I don't know if Milwaukee's going to attract the level of talent that you need to really be a big three with him and potentially Middleton or Lopez, whatever the case may be. If you had to put odds on it, that's what we do here, right? We look at value. We look at numbers. We look at odds. What would be the favorite, Kev? On if Milwaukee is a Milwaukee, if if Giannis is a Milwaukee Buck next year, would you hang the even the minus money on yes, he's a Buck, or no, he's playing elsewhere? The minus money absolutely goes on the yes. Far too much has to stays happen. with Milwaukee. Stays yes. with Milwaukee. But that does not mean long term. It just mm. means where does he play his next game? Similar to when you and I had conversations about Jamal Adams. Okay. Too much has to happen for Giannis's next game to be in another uniform. It doesn't mean it might not happen, but too much has to go wrong. I just think the biggest conundrum for this team is I don't know how you can possibly send Mike Budenholzer back out there next year. I say that acknowledging, though, a very good coach. If he could somehow only coach the I mean, first one coach year, year, and then you hand it over to somebody else for the postseason. <laughs> That'll be right. Like, we've heard in the NFL they may have quarantine quarterbacks. Maybe they need to bring in playoff coaches in the NBA, just crack open the glass right as we hit the playoffs. But the Milwaukee Bucks are done. The Miami Heat are moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. When we come back, we'll talk about what happened out west, really in Orlando, but in the Western Conference. More of the early line is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. And, Kev, we talked about what happened in the Eastern Conference playoffs yesterday, the Miami Heat moving on. They'll be waiting for either the Boston Celtics or the Toronto Raptors. We'll talk about that game in a second. But in the Western Conference, we had an interesting game as well. The Lakers take a 2-1 lead in their series, beating the Houston Rockets 112-102. And, Kev, I found it funny, you know, because you know that threshold that I keep talking about, right? And, and it hasn't happened just yet. 
All right, the Rockets win game one, shooting under 40% from three, lose game two, shooting over 40% from three. And then I look, and Kev, the Rockets in game three, shoot exactly 40% from three, 12 for 30 from three, 40.0. But I got to tell you, the biggest thing I see in this game is playoff Rondo. Rondo goes for 21 points, nine assists. We know about LeBron. We know about Anthony Davis. What I want to ask you is, what does it mean for this team, the way they play offense, what it allows LeBron to do specifically to have another, you know, ball, I was going to say another ball dominant guard, but, you know, LeBron's not a guard, but having the guy, the floor general with the ball in his hands in Rajon Rondo, what does that allow for the Lakers offense and specifically LeBron? I think if this Rondo stuff is real, the Lakers are you know, the confidence has to go up, right? Because we've spent all postseason or all season like, hey, who's going to be the third guy? You know, if Rondo's right. actually the answer, that's incredible. And he had 21 points and nine assists, was a plus seven in 30 minutes of action, eight of 11 from the field. I mean, it's a ridiculously efficient game. I and mean, we were deep into the fourth quarter. Like nine minutes had gone by and he was still outscoring the Rockets for the quarter, like on his mm-hmm. own. And... What he can do for this team, I think, is more importantly when LeBron's on the bench, though, is to create someone, uh, to have someone that continually can create the offense, keep that flow, uh, allow things not to drop off a cliff when LeBron heads to the bench. And what he has to do when LeBron's on the court is, is do what he did last night. That's knock down open shots and continue to play good defense. And that's what we've seen from Rajon Rondo to this point. Kuzma stepped up as well and you know i think this is the thing i you know for the lakers the third guy can be a revolving door and they can find success that way as long as every other game or every game a new person steps up but if rondo's going to legitimately give this team let's just call it 15 and 5 that makes them you know even more difficult to beat because he's also doing it while playing some pretty good defense yeah, you know, and that's the thing, right? All they need out of Rondo is that kind of mature floor presence, right? To get others involved, you know, to keep it on the rails on some level. So I don't even know that he has to be the quote unquote big three, you know? He just needs to be his good veteran self. He doesn't need to score even, you know, to really be of value to this team. It's interesting that you mentioned the third guy, because I take, I, I want to ask you about that for Houston. Um, I think. Whoever it was on the call, maybe it was Van Gundy, literally said that the big three for the Rockets is Harden, Westbrook, and the open guy, whoever that guy is as they rotate the ball around. And listen, you know, Harden and Westbrook did their job, right? They combined for over 60. Um, I want to ask you about the rest of the squad. Who is that that might step up? Is it a Jeff Green? Is it an Eric Gordon? And I want to tell you, I got a note, unfortunately, Kev, the P.J. Tucker streak got snapped as well. (laughs) Only four (laughs) rebounds for P.J. Tucker. Talk to me about what's going on with Houston as they go micro ball if P.J. Tucker's not grabbing boards. And who is their third option? Yeah, a part of me wanted to hit the I'm sorry, I love you super kick and take a P.J. Tucker under rebound. (laughs) Finally got up so high. Uh, We didn't want to go that far. It's supposed to be Eric Gordon, who played real well in those first couple of games. But, you know, he's not 
the most reliable. Covington can step up, but he's more defense than offense. P.J. Tucker is there to shoot corner threes, and if they're there, great. And if they're not, not great. But, Dan, I want to talk a little bit about the three-point percentage because you brought it up. Ah, yes. And the ability for you to be right and wrong to the degree that which you are is quite impressive. So I have the numbers. I have the evidence. The Houston Rockets have now played 82 games this season, including the 10 okay. postseason games. Yeah. They have shot 40% or better from three 18 times. Oh, my man give was digging in the crates on, for these stats. <laughs> give me a guess on what their record might be, though, in those 18 games. When they go above 40%? 40% or better from three. Regular season and playoffs and bubble and all that in yes. the 18 games? Yeah. Uh, you're only bringing this up if I am being proven wrong here. So that's going to impact my guess. I'm going to say out of the 18, they are 12-6 and six in those games. No, give yourself more credit, Dan. They're 16 and 2. Ah. Oh, okay. So my stat, my threshold holds so far, but go ahead. Keep well, going. This is the problem. This is where the right yeah. one comes in. Dan yeah. is 16 and 0. They're now 0 for their last two and going Wow. 100%. Okay. And so they- wait a second, Kev. When I said this then, right? When I originally yes. said this to you, right? Yes. I was like, I'm looking at that as a threshold. They were undefeated mm-hmm. when they went over that threshold? Yes. But now against the Lakers, that, that trend, you're saying that trend is no longer valid because the Lakers and their defense and their, you know, I don't know, magic pixie dust are killing the trend that was 16-0? and 0? Correct. That's why I'm saying wow. the ability to be right and wrong here is <laughs> okay. a legitimate 16-0 right. and 0 on the threshold that you said, wake me up and let me know if it comes home. Usually you would, oh, 17 and 18. But this is where we disagreed, that they could still be beat while getting to that mark. Now, it's going to be difficult for teams, but the Lakers were good enough to beat them. Let me give you a Mm -hmm. couple more numbers here, though. I did a little bit of math, but you know me. Calculator was out, checked it a couple of times. I believe you. 18, right, divided by 82 percentages, right? So it happens 22% of the time. About between 20, 25%. Yep, there you go. Right? So then (laughs) I divide that by seven. That's one and a half times out of every seven. Which means, Dane, they're not shooting 40% again from three. Rest of the series. This is the trend. Yes. Well, well, no. If their percentages. Their season averages. Sure. Absolutely. Right? And yes. what I had asked you was, and I, and I, you know, this was, it was not, you know, I wasn't pounding the table on this, but is there a world where the Rockets, even though they were down 20, had game two stolen from them because of the right. three-point advantage that they had? And I think now we can look back on it and ask ourselves, wow, maybe they did. But Dane, let me give you the number of all numbers. One that kind of oh sneaks by you if you don't catch it. Tell Take me. a look at how many threes the Rockets took. And then take a look at how many threes the Lakers took. They took the same amount of threes. They did. They the did. Rockets took 23 less threes than they did in game number two. Than the usual. They both took than usual. 30. Now, I haven't been able to sit down and break down hours upon hours of film and tell you if this is exactly what the Lakers have executed. But the logic, I think, applies. If the Lakers have said, listen, we're done letting you shoot 53s a game. Right. You're all about right. math. You're all about variance. You want to right. add the numbers. Well, right. we're going to let you walk into the paint. And we're going to have Andy mm-hmm. Davis, 
and LeBron James challenge your shots at the rim. And if you yep. want to keep shooting 53s, they're going to be the worst looks imaginable. They're going to be contested. Because we're going to make you walk into the paint. And they bended and challenged the Rockets' philosophy. And right. it looks like it paid off. Because in the first half, that team scored 64 points. And that team needed garbage time to get to 38 in the second half. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this series is done. But I'm telling you there's a strong case to be made that the Lakers have figured the Rockets out. That's interesting, Kev. You know, we talk about this a lot when it comes to football. And boy, do we have football on the horizon, right? We say all the time, what does Bill Belichick make you do? Play left-handed, right? Take away the number one thing. It is clear. We've all talked about it. I've talked about it. Damn, I was 16-0 and 0 being right about it, right? So the, they, what they are trying to take away is that threshold for the Rockets, right? Being like, we know you're really hard to beat if you're hitting your threes. And we know that what we need to do is change the math and the geometry of the sport, right? And so we're going to contest all those. We'll give you those mid-range jumpers. We'll let you get to the hole, and then we will see what will happen. I'd be very interested to see the Rockets' record in those other games when they go under 40% to see if the Rockets have the potential to still win in those scenarios, right? But great math out of you. I'm a spitting statistician, but the candle burner was working overtime getting those stats we look at today's action when we come back but the news update is next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. We also, you know, welcome back our radio audience from around the country, including the mightier 1090 out west. Thanks for waking up early. You're trying to get the, you know, get the jump on everybody to make it a profitable day. Kevin, let's turn our attention to the action in the NBA today because we've got a good one. The defending champs are hanging by a thread. They are down in this series three to two, facing elimination by the Boston Celtics. We got a three-point spread in this one. The C's are the favorites. 210 is the total in this one. Kev, honestly, you know, will the Raptors have the fight, show the pride of a champion? I don't know that I'm on the side as much as a total on this one. Have not the games been getting tighter? Have not the games been getting more, you know, mid-90s Eastern Conference-ish over the playoffs? When I see 210, uh, 210 I note that that is... One of the lower totals we've seen for a while, but they just keep on going lower and lower and lower. Are these teams going to get triple digits tonight? <sighs> this series infuriated me to an impressive level in game number five because, Dane, I was quite convinced that I had found the edge. In the first Ooh. quarter, through the first four games, the quarter total had gone over a clean 4-0. and with 56 mm. being the low mark and multiple times it crossing the 60-point threshold. And by the way, that was true while the series, as you mentioned, just keeps playing under, under, under. The number was 51.5, and, and I said, what an opportunity to strike because the book is adjusting the quarter total as it relates to the full game numbers, but what we've seen is they come out firing and then things clamp down. And not only did I play over 51 and a half, 
on a little waterfall belt bet on some alternate totals. You know, 55 nice. and a half, 57 and a half. Sure. So it, it, it was nice in theory. It, it was nice <laughs> in theory. And then the Raptors yeah. did what the Raptors did, which was one of the most disgusting beginnings to a game I could ever remember. Yeah. And ultimately had a surge at the end of the first quarter to score 11 points in the quarter. And this is now the second time the Celtics have wire-to-wired this team. I mean, you would not think that, like, this is supposed to be a tight series. This is supposed Mm -hmm. to be a closely contested series. And I apologize for getting away from the total, but it kind of just, you know, this is what took my mind here. But the Celtics have been the better team, period. Because I know there yeah. was some disagreement on that. Oh, saved by a Marcus Morris barrage of threes. The, you know, had the Raptors not blown this lead or blown. No. The Celtics have been the better team. And the book has seen it that way. The Celts now laying three. Remember when the Raptors in the beginning of this series were yep. laying two? They have now come all the way around here on Boston. And I don't blame them. I think the Celtics have been the better team. And as far as the total, I will tell you this. Five games, 5-0 and for the under. Stubbornly, though, that number is so low. The only way I could play it would be the over. All right, fair enough. So that's probably a pass for you on some level. And here's the thing, Kev. The Toronto offense is one of the things I've been talking about the entire time. Remember, we've had that question. That's been my thesis the whole damn time. Who's going to be that dude, right? Because we need that Mm -hmm. dude to step up. We are leading our recaps of every game with that dude, right, who winds up doing it. And and we're like, ah, we love Freddie Van Fleet. Ah, is it Siakam? Ah, can Kyle Lowry do more than take charges? But now you're talking about, you know, them putting up 11 points in the first quarter, right, when, when Boston boat raced them and can take them wire to wire. My question remains, Kev, where does Toronto get their offense from when it's in the half-court set or when, you know, it's deep in the shot clock or when it's in the fourth quarter and it's clutch? Because Tatum's going to, Kemba's going to, Jalen Brown's going to, Marcus Smart is going to pull from three. Where is it coming from in a reliable way for the Toronto Raptors? And how are you going to make money on prop bets if you have an answer for that? But, well, this is a funny thing, though. It, like, if I had an answer for it, I might take Nick Nurse's job. Because he's looking for that answer. <laughs> he's not just looking for that answer in the fourth quarter. Scored 11 yeah. points in the first quarter. 11 points in the first, yeah. I, I mean, you can't have that. You, you know, so if I were to go after this prop market, I would like to think that a Kyle Lowry steps up season on the line. I'd like to think that at least I'll get the attempts necessary from FVV. I don't trust Pascal Siakam. That ship has sailed, hasn't it? I mean, the I idea, so. remember many, many moons ago when. Oh, is Siakam going to be just as good as Kawhi? No. 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 Hard no. Incredible no. I mean, he was Double the most no. improved no. player in the league, okay? And so yeah. that happens to people who go from being out of nowhere to being, like, good. And, and Pascal Siakam is good. He's not a max player, the guy you give the ball to. He's not the guy leading you to the promised land. Not like, And that's not even hate on Siakam, okay? He's good. Mm. But you need it. This level of the playoffs just requires something more, Kevin. It does. And, I, I, you know, and this is the thing. Like, 
uh, you know, I don't want to turn this into like pats on the back, uh, you know, in the morning, but this is what we said coming into the series. The yep. high end players for the Celtics is where our faith lied. That's where the trust was. Kemba, Tatum, Jalen yep. Brown. And that's the thing. They can survive 15 point performances from Jason Tatum because Kemba steps up. You know, Jalen right. Brown right now even feels like he's a little bit more reliable than a Pascal Siakam. And Siakam's supposed to be their best player. And he's comfortably third Jalen Brown for the Boston Celtics. So yeah. that's why, you know, we sit here. Again, I'd like to and, – and I think the, the question becomes, if you're Nick Nurse, how do you manufacture offense? Is there a way for you to push the envelope? I mean, if you take a look at this, the, 104 – is the most points that this team has scored. And you go 94, right. 99, 104, 189. They've scored above 100 once in five tries against this Celtics team. Look, I know they play very good defense. That's embarrassing. Oh, and that's why I'm looking at that 210 total and thinking it's not crazy to go under it, but we oh, will see game six. Now, game six on the horizon there. We'll see what happens later on tonight. We got to talk about the game in the Western Conference as well, Kevin. I'm a little bit surprised by this one, honestly. Okay. You have the Clippers, Kev, as eight point favorites. Mm-hmm. Are they eight points better than the Nuggets? Because I'm I, I'm leaning towards taking those points. They won the last game by six. I know we all love the Clippers, but you think that you think Denver's gonna almost like that's almost blowout territory. I think Jamal Murray, Nikolai Jokic can kind of keep it close. My knee-jerk reaction is to take the eight points here. Maybe I'm crazy though. How do you see this game? No, you're far from crazy. The Nuggets are currently two and one ATS in this series. Um, yeah. now unfortunately for me, I have not been able to get this team right, I think, since game one against the Utah Jazz. Because right. then they let me down in games two and three. Backed off from the rest of that series. And then Jamal Murray popped off. in game one of this series, getting the nine and a half. They were miserable. And then, of course, they show up the next two games. Simply put, you have to know when you don't have a team down. And Denver's just not a team that I can get consistently. And maybe that first game was just all about the fatigue, and, and now their legs are under them, and I should feel confident going back to them. I won't. But to your point, Dane, although eight is high, Remember when it was nine, nine and a half? So mm. this has become a series where the Nuggets are starting to get more respect, but the, the starting point was such disrespect that you can right. still certainly make that case for the value being on Denver. I, I do. I really do. You know, I, I think that is there the potential for them to just be clamped down on and because that Denver defense is, you know, maybe not the best, the Clippers can run away? Yes, but I got to tell you something, and this is more of a narrative thing, Kevin, so halt me if I'm being silly. Mm. But didn't we see their pride, their heart in that series against Utah, right? Like, and, and doesn't that, like, for me, that makes me believe that these Nuggets – are tough. These nuggets are not going to go quietly. You know, these nuggets came back from the brink. So I just don't see them in a scenario where they need it getting run out of the gym. I think, you know, Murray can put them on their back and yeah, Beverly may contain them, that kind of stuff. I just don't see these guys getting blown out. Now, do I think the Clippers can win this game? Yes. I've told you when I think the Clippers are playing their best and have all their players, I think they're the best team in the NBA. Okay. But I just think this point spread is a little too much. I'd be taking the points in this one. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you one second there. And as far as this total goes, uh, yeah, talk me total. Been able to do if you've been trying to play over here was get a push in the last game, and that's because they dropped the number down. The as much as I'm saying nice things here about the Denver Nuggets, they just still have this court, these quarters in them where they can't do anything offensively. We saw it multiple times in the first game. In the game they won, in the third quarter, they only scored 17. And then they cost them. Look, I mean, there's an argument to be made that the Denver Nuggets should be up 2-1 in this series as opposed to down 2-1. But they right. scored only 19 points in that fourth quarter, losing the quarter by 10, and then ultimately losing a game. But they entered the fourth quarter with a lead-in. So can this so- Denver team sustain an offensive rhythm? I'm not sure. What's wild here is, Dane, it just looks as if Denver actually has to make these rock fights and slugfest with Clippers. It's not really mm. going to be on the heels of an offensive explosion. Yeah. Remember, and style makes fight, right? And I'm going to talk to Cam Stewart about that in the Western Conference playoffs in the NHL a little bit later on in the show as it relates to the Vegas Golden Knights. But that's a different story for a different time, right? You're right. Style makes fight. Maybe this is a little bit different than the back and forth duel of Murray and Mitchell in the previous round. But let me test you here real quick, Kev. 23 and a half Jamal Murray total. If the Nuggets are to hang in there win this game what i've seen is jamal murray take over i've seen him score 40 50 23 and a half is it the same kind of like a consolidated narrative right like if denver's gonna hang in murray's gonna be in the high 20s no do you have jamal murray's assist prop there I do. Hopefully We're going to have to bring it up break. after the break. I can – Jamal Murray's assist, yeah, five and a half. Six, six, nine to start this series. Maybe mm. take the points plus the assist and try and get a okay. good overall offensive game from Murray. Yeah, I, that could be the way to do it. That makes sense to me because I just think they will be driven by him. When we turn our attention to Major League Baseball, the sky is starting to fall, Kev. We got to talk about it when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern time, giving you what you need, putting the fun and functional sports content. We alluded to it before, and we're talking about all the playoff teams, Kev, that are kind of like still playing. We do have news to report, though, in the NBA on one of these teams that have already got banged out, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And correct me if I'm wrong, but reigning co Coach of the year, I believe, Hmm. Kevin, in the NBA, Billy Donovan and the Thunder have decided to part ways, meaning that the Thunder will have a new head coach next season. What do you think it means for the Thunder? And will Donovan just have a job elsewhere in the association? That's the great question. I think there's three different ways that this is a big story. One, what is next for Billy Donovan? I'm not sure if he walks right into one of these uh, job openings, although there are a decent amount of them in the NBA. Maybe. Could he have his eye back to the college game? Not interested in a rebuild. And that's what pushes him out of Oklahoma City. Obviously, the second big thing is, well, then who is going to be interested in the rebuild? You look at the pieces that this Thunder team has, and there's a real opportunity there to potentially be part of something special 
if you are patient, think about Brett Brown and the opportunity that he was afforded going through the process years with the Sixers. We know how it ended, but he still had a decent run there uh, in Philly. And the final thing is, well, now we know the Thunder's timeline. This team wants to move on. They are more interested in getting assets back, which I think is a smart move because the price on Chris Paul could not be uh, any more different than it was before the season begun. So you think about, or began rather, excuse me, uh, you think about where we're going into this offseason. Chris Paul is going to be available for teams to trade for. We've already seen people talk about Milwaukee being possibly interested. That is a big, Hmm. big story coming out of this news. All right, we will definitely keep our eye on that. Which direction will the Thunder go? Remember, they were they overperformed, a lot of people thought, right? Because they were trying to break it down. And then guys like SGA and Schroeder overperformed. So maybe they're ahead of it, but they're going to continue. It looks like the rebuild with another head coach in charge. Let's turn our attention, though, Kev, to Major League Baseball. And I got to tell you, man, we're now at the place where, you know, time is ticking, Kev. Most teams have something like 16, 17, 18. Games left, and I ask you, is the sky falling yet? The reason I ask you is because the Yankees lose again. They have now lost five in a row. The Yankees have lost 15 of their last 20 games. You see the standings in the AL East, but even more so the standings in the American League for the playoff position. One thing you see, even in the AL East standings, the Baltimore Orioles, Kev are now a half game back of the New York Yankees. Let me say that again. With 18 games left to play, the New York Yankees occupy the final playoff spot at 500, and the Orioles are a half game back. The Tigers are one game back. Tomorrow morning, we could be here with the Yankees out of the playoff picture. I've been asking you, Kev, And you've been like, nah, it's okay. Eh, It's okay. Then your level of concern has been starting to increase. What is your level of concern at this point? The Yanks are 5-15 and in their last 20. They ain't getting healthier. And their, you know, objects are closer than they appear in the rearview mirror, Kev. The team that is favored to win the American League pennant is not even any form of a guarantee to make the postseason. It is impossible to understand what is going on with this Yankees team. But ultimately, I think what happened was last year, they set an unrealistic expectation for themselves that in the face of injuries, not only can they get past it, but they can thrive. They won 100 games last year. And that all of these same injuries felt like they were there last season, maybe even more so last season. Those injuries were there. But people continually stepped up. But you look at that roster, you look at that lineup that's being tossed out there on a nightly basis, and it's not a surprise that they lose these games. Is it maddening? Is it frustrating to watch them leave 10 on base against the Blue Jays in a game where they looked like the better team except for when it came to someone stepping up and having big hitting? Yeah. Yeah, it is. They got a pretty good performance out of J.A. Happ. And... I told you this, but when the the panic button gets pressed is when you go up against the Baltimore Orioles and drop three out of four, which is what the Yankees did, which obviously had it been reversed, they would have been Mm -hmm. able to leave the Orioles behind them. They would obviously be much closer to the Toronto Blue Jays. So, 
you know, they still have this 83.5% chance to, to make the postseason. They are still, you know, plus 350, tied with the Rays to win the American yeah. League pennant. But confidence is uh, is lacking, and, you know, it's it's tough. It is. It absolutely is. And here's what I'll ask you about, because as we know, we look at these things kind of comprehensively as markets, right? And you're right. The Yankees are plus 350 as the co-favorites to go to the World Series, <laughs> you know, to be the uh, win the American League pennant. And they're hanging by a thread just in the playoff picture. So, Kev, by definition there, if you think that is overvalued, where's the where's the value in that market? Right. Is it the A's at five to one? Is it a team like the White Sox at plus nine fifty? You know, if if there's no value. In the Yankees, then there is value somewhere else in that market. And I would ask you, is it out west with a team like Oakland or even the Houston Astros, Kev? Because the Astros are now back to the fifth choice, right? And we know what that team can do, right? But they had a doubleheader yesterday against the division rival Oakland A's. They split the doubleheader. They've got another game today. Jesus Cesardo, who you know I like, is on the hill for the A's, and they are minus 170 on the money line today talk to me about out west the a's are in first place houston is there nipping at their heels i guess a different level of concern than the yankees but the astros are not really different one of the big time favorites underperforming not winning their division uh maybe is not as concerning as the yankees but talk to me about out west a's astros as well yeah i mean the the difference is that no one really cares about the astros in the same way that they care about the yankees uh, the attraction with this team was going to watch them uh, on the road and, and see what the revenge tour looked like, but that was taken away. Right. Ultimately, it's a team that people are over because if they perform well, it is what it is, and if they perform poorly, I'm not going to give you my effort and my energy. And they are a half game better than the Yankees, and in fact, they were down 4 nothing yesterday against the A's and almost dipped below 500, which would have been – Pretty embarrassing for a team that still has the talent they have. I know they're banged up, Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Berlander, yeah. but there still seems like they're sending out uh, a better lineup on a more frequent basis than the Yankees. Just they've not been ravaged as much. I think what's really interesting in this spot here, though, is is there something to the idea that maybe the Astros wake up a little bit after stopping the bleeding? where they had lost six games in a row with that 5-4 victory against the A's in that doubleheader, where they were down 4 nothing, Or was it a kind of bump in the road that is their fall down the ladder? Yeah, I know. We, we, we will see. But they certainly, like you said, they have it all in front of them, right? The games against Oakland is what is going to be the key. They're plus 148 today on the money line. Jesus Lizardo and the A's minus 179 is your total in that game. Kev, I want to ask you about one more team. We go to the National League. You know where I'm going. I've been, we've been on this team all year. We got to talk about the Fathers, Kev. The Fathers had a big win yesterday, 14 to 5. The San San Diego Padres take out the Colorado Rockies. Will Myers with two home runs. Another grand slam for the Padres, Kev. All right, I think it's like their seventh grand slam of the season. They continue to hit the ball. Mike Clevenger got the start, his second start for the Padres. He gets his first win in the National League. I want to, though, ask you about this game today. They see the Rockies again. Their favorites. 
I want to make this point, though. All year long, Kev, with the Padres, we've been talking about Chris Paddock. And we've been mm-hmm. talking about how Clevenger is now added to make this like a great one-two punch. We are severely under-respecting two other pitchers on the San Diego Padres, Kev. Like, because Paddock has not been the best Padres starter. Clevenger is not the best Padres starter right now, so far this season. You know, Kev, Denilson Lament, who I talked about a little bit going into the season as a diamond, mostly because of his strikeouts, the guy is pitching to a 2.24 ERA and a 0.92 whip, Kevin. Okay, like he is carrying the mail for the San Diego Padres. And then not to be outdone, Kev, is the guy the Padres put on the hill today, Zach Davies, Kev. Zach Davies is 6-2 and two with a 2.23 ERA, which is in the top five, I believe, in the National League, and a sub-1 whip. Like, Paddock is one thing. Clevenger is one thing. But I think part of the reason you have to respect the Padres with the second best record in the National League is because these guys who may be projected to be their three or four starters are pitching to low two ERAs and sub one whips as well. Zach Davies looks to continue his strong season tonight on the hill for the Fathers. I mean, look, his last outing was seven scoreless in Oakland, only giving up four hits. That's an excellent performance yeah. from Zach Davies. And I, I, I'm glad you know you, you put the ERA next to it because it's not just a 6-2 and two record because he's getting all of this run support. Nice, the, the ERA, the whip, he's pitching well. Nice, absolutely. I would say, though, uh, you know, Sensantella has been good on the year. I, I think there's an argument to be made for this under of nine. Uh, you hmm. look at last game, 19 total runs. I know a lot of people will be uh, cautious about wanting – to play an under when that's the case. Um, what a tough spot that was for the Rockies, where they come out three-run homer by Arenado in the first, have to be mm-hmm. feeling good about themselves, only for uh, the Padres to hang five on them in the first and five on them in the second. Uh, to me, I can see this game, though, coming back under after the uh, big burst that we saw in game two of this set. All right, fair enough. Where do you go, Kevin? Like, where else? What other matchups today in Major League Baseball do you think are important? We've clearly known about the Yankees. We clearly know about that ALS. We've been talking about the Fathers. They keep it rolling. I did want to highlight Zach Davies today because, you know, we haven't talked about him. You know, we talk about Paddock. We talk about Clev and the moves that they've made, obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr. as well. Talk to me, though. You know, in this American League Central, that is still very, very tight, right? With White Sox and Indians and Twins. Those guys, you know, have will keep on playing round robin. Who do you expect to come out of there um, in that AL Central right now? You know, it's interesting, but the the Twins, for what felt like all those struggles, are only a half game back. They're right there. Of both Cleveland and Chicago. I mean, this is right a, there. It's a race, though, where we've talked about it, but kind of that eh, whatever approach to the postseason, depending on how much you care about a home field advantage that may or may not be there if they go bubble, where these three teams should feel very secure in the idea that they will be in the postseason. You know, you'd like to win the Central. You'd like to hang that uh, yeah. that banner, right? But outside of that, what's the edge there, right? of either getting matched up with a Yankees if they're healthy or getting matched up with, oh, a Blue Jays, you know, if you're a little bit lower. Like, those sure. are the kind of things that can make the difference here. Um, so, 
look, credit to all of these teams. All of them will be in the postseason. I guess the other thing I'll just quickly throw out there is the update on something that we've been following uh, pretty closely, the Phillies, uh, and that yeah. Braves lead down to only one and a half games. Now, I think that's an important thing to mention. The Phillies, though, still, if you like them, uh, remember, they both have those soft schedules we talked about. The Phillies are plus 230 to overtake the Braves and win the NL East. Our number two is going to be mostly football. When we come back, I have an interesting note about what Oklahoma and Clemson are doing when they play this college football season. You know, Kev, you don't want to give anybody a competitive advantage, right? We'll talk about what we mean when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, here on the early line. Finishing up our number one. And, Kev, I got to ask you about this. I don't know if you saw this, okay? We're all excited because the NFL kicks off literally tomorrow, and we'll certainly be covering that wall-to-wall. But college football is going on, okay? We know some conferences are playing, some are not. Literally, like, UAB plays the Miami Hurricanes in, like, a real matchup tomorrow. I think we've already had some games. I don't know if you saw this, though. Obviously, COVID, coronavirus, and player safety is top of mind this year and this season across the country, both in Oklahoma and in Clemson, two huge programs that have designs on winning a championship, they have said they are not going to report uh, if players test positive for COVID. Okay, they're pretty much just going to list them as unavailable on the injury report. And then Lincoln Riley, the head coach of Oklahoma, says the reason because of this is because he doesn't want to give his opponents a competitive advantage. Now, I understand Belichick putting everybody on the injury report. In the NHL, you say like lower body injury. And I also understand the rights and the HIPAA violations, right, of privacy for people. But what do you think about this for the purpose of protecting a competitive advantage, not releasing the information of testing results both the Sooners and it looks like Clemson are going to be doing this this is the concern with college football and how they may handle COVID at any point to think about this virus through the lens of a competitive advantage or lack thereof is irresponsible you don't have to give us these updates but the reason being that you don't want Texas to know who is in or out is unsettling to me. That is not what we are doing here. That is not the most important thing. I get it, Lincoln Riley. You're paid to win the Big 12. Usually do it anyway. The rest of the conference just ain't that good. Call it what it is, okay? You should not be looking at this disease through the lens of a competitive advantage ever. Yeah, I, I hear you, Kev. Remember, as we enter college football, these are not professional athletes. We will see how it is all treated. Talk about a competitive advantage. Both of these schools already have it, Kev. Oklahoma, the minus 115 favorites to win the Big 12. And Clemson, the minus 350 favorites to win the ACC. So we'll see what happens as college football does, in fact, for three of the Power Five, chug along. Our number two. Of the early line is up next. We talk NFL. We bring in Cam for the NHL. It's jam-packed. Keep it locked to the grid.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.